latest episode of the Show World Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Brown, a.k.a. Dane Allen, a.k.a. Uptown Jordan Brown. I'm not going to say the ones I made up. <laughs> What's going on, people? Um, thanks for checking out last week's episode with Michael Smith Jr., Michael Smith II, Michael Smith II. Uh, I had to, had to say that a couple of times. Um, I feel like that was one episode where... It felt great to, you know, sit down and talk to family, one. But it also feels great to talk to family, and you're kind of going through that same struggle. You're trying to figure out exactly what your voice is, what your art, and whatever it is you're doing. And you got some similarities. So, like, that's one of the things that I feel, like, um, really stuck out to me. Just sitting down again with somebody that you grew up with, and, you know, you hung out, you talk sports, you kicked it or whatever, like y'all was family, kicked barbecues family, travels, all this stuff, everything like that, you know, like you just have a good time with these people and you grow up and Michael is older than me, but at the same time, he was already in a creative field, like he said in that episode, but he was already in that creative field and doing his thing and I thought it was just cool that we are um, not only speaking to one another, but reconnecting about about something else. Because I just feel like when you're young and you have family like that, y'all kicking and y'all have fun. Your cousins, your first cousin is like everything. Y'all kicking and everything. And you're always hanging out and shit. But, so, you know, it was just cool to be like, man, you know what, dog? Um, I'm, I'm wishing you good luck with everything you're doing. And then you come on my show and we just publicize your work and give me the opportunity to help you out on my platform that I feel like, you know, I'm really starting to enjoy more and more. And I wish everybody would keep showing all the love, showing all the love. If you're listening every week, let me know, you know, shoot me a text. If you got my number, hit me up on the Facebook page, the Instagram page, whatever, you know, Twitter and all that, you know, just let me know you're listening, man. And if you're getting inspired and all that good, good business, but, um, in other things, this episode is um, pretty dope, going to be dope. I was really excited about getting this episode done because um, Shaniqua Brooks um, is my guest, and she is pretty fucking dope, man. She's pretty dope. The work that she does is pretty dope. It's something different. It's new. It's essentially for the culture, if you see it. Um, but if you haven't seen her work, you can check it out at her website, you know, ShaniquaBrooks.com, www.S-H-E-N-E-Q-U-A-A-B-R-O-O-K-S.com. She, um, yeah, just go check it out, because we're going to talk a lot about this stuff. And another reason why this one is a really special one, too, is because, again, like, I got to thank my little sister for everything right now because she is just, like, living her best life and also helping her big bro out, and I appreciate that. So let me tell you the story. There's a picture um, that was out there in the ether somewhere, and my little sister, not only did she introduce me to Shaniqua about getting on the show and talking about different things, but she also sent me a picture today, (laughs) and it's Chief Keith in the picture. Chief Keith hanging out, just chilling. And then she's in the background. I'm like, oh, shit. 
just kicking it. Like, and this is like young Chief Keefe, though. So this is like early on in his rise. I'm like, gee, you was, you, you know, you, you definitely, um, you know, you know some people, bro. But it was so random, though, because she in the background, like, didn't even know she was in the picture. She photobombed Chief Keefe. So I thought that was funny. And, um, just to be able to make these connections. A lot of the people that I have spoken to are in some way connected to my sister, who is doing her thing with fashion design. But her and Shaniqua happen to be really, really good friends. And they are both um, very strong black women doing some really um, inspiring and creative things. Um, so first things first. Shaniqua is a textile interdisciplinarian artist. I didn't even know what that meant. But I went to go see these pictures on the website. Saw the the the, the descriptions of her work, her different collections and everything like that. And I was just like, man, I got to get her on the show. Like, this shit going to be dope. And I was so excited, man. So excited. Taking notes, looking at everything, like, researching. Like, just trying to be a really studious interviewer and really studious podcast uh, host. And that shit just really, like, um, it took me to the next level a little bit. I was like, oh, shit, I'm about to be ready. I'm about to do this. This is going to be a great show. Oh, my God, I'm excited. And we get to get ready to record the episode the first time that we try to record. And um, the damn computer stopped work. <laughs> so once the computer stopped, I'm like, oh, shit, we're going to do, like, think on your toes. It's like, pick out your phone. Pick up your phone and just use the voice memos. Like, and that's something that also comes up in another episode that um, I am going to be putting out. Like, you can start a podcast with your fucking phone. Like, just pick up your phone, voice memo, and record. So we recorded it. But my whole thing was, after I was so excited about getting this interview done, getting her um, information out there, getting us, you know, just everything. Like, I was really excited and then it just I had to record on my phone and it took away a little bit of the luster you know I was excited about getting it done but I didn't think that the episode was going to carry as much weight as I thought it did if I only used my cell phone so if you you'll probably hear that in you'll well you will because you're listening you'll hear that in the show but I was just like man you know what I got notes and everything we go get through this we go do everything like I was so determined to get that shit done man but um yeah we we talk about a lot of different things and I know I took y'all through that fucking drudge of a story but hey man it it meant something to me okay I thought it was important (laughs) but um she she is um doing something that opens the doors Opens the doors to um, not only just African American culture, but in a ca- in a case could be made for just human culture, if that's a thing. Now I don't really know if I'm saying anything new at all. You know, I don't know if somebody said this before me either, but it's something that seems like everybody can relate to it, and that's a big part of her work. And she she was adamant about that, and I really. I, I I never thought about attacking a craft that way. You know, I, I never thought about someone saying, hey, this is my work is going to appeal not to these type of people, not to that type of people, but to all people. And I was like, damn. Like, that's the thought process that I had when I was listening to her say that. Well, she didn't say exactly what I said, but, you know, you'll hear it. Uh, we also talk about just different ways that... 
you know, your work can create different feelings, you know. And one of the things that I was really trying to hone in on when I was talking to was just about how those feelings and everything could be negative. And that was just one of the things that, you know, we talked about. I, I found that, like, she was, like, really confident in the way that she felt about her work. She she knows her work. She knows what she was trying to do intentionally. And she can explain it. That's um. That's to be admired by an artist. And that's simply because you can be, you're going to be judged by everybody when you put your work out there. Because you can't help who sees it. You know, so that was, um, I really, that's what made me like dig into this interview. It was like, man, like she really is just committed to her work. And that was really, that was really cool. You can hear it in her voice, you know. Um, Talk about how she found herself in art at an early age. She, Started off really young and, you know, doing work and um, in high school, you know, stuff in like high school and really just pushing herself to get to that next level and continue with it. You know, like it's it's really it's funny because you never really hear that about art sometimes. You know, whenever you ever heard someone just be like, hey, you know, maybe they'll be a musician. They play like violin or something. But you never heard nobody be like, yeah, my, my kid is in school. My kid is in school. My kid is involved in extracurricular activities. But it's for art. I'm letting my kid be creative. <laughs> my kid is doing something totally different than what other kids are doing right now. And it's like, like, you never really hear that stuff. And that's really cool that, um, you know, she she... Talked to me off air too about it. She's like, it was a really big deal to her and really important to her that she um, started out with um, this art idea and her journey started out very young, you know, like maybe eighth grade or something like that. And that was cool. That was real cool to hear that. I hadn't heard that before. Um, and we also go through her pieces um, one by one. So if you if you listen to this, a cool thing to do would be to go to her website, you know, look around a little bit. <clears throat> and when we start talking about all the the pieces and the collections that she did um, and, the, and the exhibits, I'm trying to, that's the weird thing about this. You got to decipher all the art, like, language. Like, there's an entire language type of thing that we have, you have no idea if you're not in that culture, you you know, but, um, yeah, just getting that figured out, but, um, yeah, we, we go through them, so you can take a look at those while, while you listen, and she's explaining the pieces, she's going through each piece, what exactly she was trying to do, what exactly she felt she wanted the, the audience to feel, and another thing that is really going through my mind right now with the whole successful thing with, uh, Childish Gambino, his performance on SNL, and the This Is a the This Is America uh, video and everything that's out right now, turning art into an experience, and you know, in textile where you you probably wouldn't even see that, you know, you wouldn't have you wouldn't even see people trying to get the get artists trying to get the audience involved in their piece, you know, and, and I think that like it's it, it became an activity then it became something that you were actually doing instead of viewing when you saw her work. So uh, we talk about that too, and uh, yeah, just incorporating involving the audiences in your work and shit like that. Like I thought that was a cool idea that she had, and she carried it out very well, very well. Um, again, Shaniqua is a inter in textile interdisciplinarian artist. Um, Interdisciplinary. You gotta say that out two times five. Interdisciplinary artist. There it is. Yeah, that's a struggle. I don't know. Don't worry. It was an athletic scholarship, not academic. So 
Um, <laughs> it's a joke. Take that how you may. Uh, but yeah, again, just an African American woman from the Caribbean, like doing her thing. She's originally from Miami, so she traveled all the way up here to Chicago. She's a transplant, so um, it's just like I, I know I'm I'm exiting the realm of just interviewing people in Chicago who from who are from Chicago, but they're in Chicago and they're doing great work. So let's put it that way. Interesting and creative motherfuckers who are doing great work in the city of Chicago will probably be involved with the show. So let's just put it that way. But um, yeah, man, make sure you let me know what you think about this episode. And just, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm excited. I want y'all to hear it. Um, and here we go. from miss brooks shaniqua brooks yes i'm originally from born in st thomas u.s virgin islands and raised in miami florida you don't have to put your white people voice on the <laughs> what's that look you stand for the movie that's <laughs> on the phone hey how are you uh my name is uh shaniqua just and i'm gonna be uh taking your call today why is it like, like that because i'm really talking <laughs> that's what people do like I'm really talking. Oh but, my uh, god! I had you. I wanted you to put that out there because you, you are a very interesting individual. And <laughs> this is actually way. this. Yeah, this is the second time I tried to get an interview with you. Yes. One because I was unprepared. I'm not gonna put it. I'm not gonna put the blame on Come you. Come on, facts, facts. I ain't asked for the cosign, <laughs> the negativity. You said I'm it. already judging myself right now. I don't need help. I do not need help to be judged. <laughs> But so the first time we interviewed, I interviewed you, um, mm -hmm. used my cell phone and yes. I was like, nah, this ain't going to do it justice. <laughs> y'all got to see this art. I don't know. Maybe I'm just putting too much on it, but nah. what do you do? 
That's how I start every episode. <laughs> I say, everybody's like, nigga, that's not how you start an interview. <laughs> like, so I start my interviews. <laughs> what do I do? Great, great question. Um, I consider myself a textile interdisciplinary artist. So essentially what that means is I use textiles and making and craft um, my hands to make and as the foundation of my work. Mm. And from there, I can either make sculptures, I mean, performance, um, installations. I mean, it can expand. Mm. Um, that's the whole point of the interdisciplinary part. It has various forms or different steps, but the foundation is always making with my hands. Hmm. Interesting. See, I told y'all she was interesting. I don't even know how to say what she said. Interdisciplinary. Interdisciplinary. (laughs) But, so, before I had you on, I was like, I'm going to check out this art. Now, she's also a friend of Jaleesa, my little sister. I mean, like, Jaleesa get a shout out every day on episode. And um, she told me, like, you got to have on the show. One, she's a great artist, and she likes to talk. I know she would do great on the show. But, um... I looked at the site. What's your what's your site? Uh, so we can put um, that out there. So my website is Brooks one word dot com. And I was like, I'm gonna see what she's talking about. And I looked. I was like, Oh my god, yo! <laughs> <laughs> like she didn't make G. To everybody out there, I've never seen a dress made out of weave or synthetic <laughs> hair to be politically correct. And I was like. This shit looks like some shit you would see people actually wear. Right, right. And cool. where'd you get the idea? And, like, well, give us some background on that. So, the hairdress was at a point in my um, artistic um, trajectory where I was really using hair, synthetic hair specifically, as a source of material. And I wanted to really exhaust it in the short frame of time that I had. I was in my undergrad at the time at the Kansas City Art Institute, finishing up my bachelor's in fiber textiles and design. Mm. And um, I was doing my thesis work. And I knew I wanted to weave with hair once I started my first project, weaving with hair. And... um, at the time, when it came with the hairdress, I was just like, let me see if this is even possible. Now, I know it was possible because clearly I did my research and I was like, okay, see, that's some tracks. That's some of this type of hair. This that Indian hair. Right. Um, and I was like, no, because my the type of hair I use, even though it is synthetic, it's specifically braiding hair. Mm. It's loose. Um, so <laughs> with that being said, I'm like, so I have to manipulate it for it to even be made into something. So, again, going back to making with my hands as the foundation. So, I braided up some hair for a long time. And from there, I made a skirt. And then I wove the bodice and then connected the two in a dress. And I was like, okay, on to the next. So, it was really just a test. It was like a mini assignment for myself. It had nothing to do with any project in some shape or form. It was just like, can this be done? And you're going to do it. So. Well, <laughs> that's the hairdress. It, it, it looks legitimate. Like you would see somebody wear this dress, and you, you probably wouldn't even notice. Like this motherfucker wearing the weave. Like, like it that's really, what... yeah, you really don't because even when we did the photo shoot um, with the model Brianna Davis. Um, at the time, she we was taking shots outside. So, you know, there are people driving in the streets and things like that. And they will stop and be like, oh, what a cute outfit. Because, <laughs> you know, the wind is blowing and it's just right, doing its thing. And then a young lady, she pulled over to the side and literally got out the car. And she was just like, hold up. That's is that bad. what I think it yeah. is? And I was just like, 
Yeah, it's hair. And she was just like, what? Y'all gotta see it to believe it. The pictures too, like, do it justice because you see, like, the it's blowing in the wind and everything. I'm like, yeah, I had to get some shots where something's it's moving so people could be like, oh, okay, I could kind of see that. I had some other notes on some stuff that I saw on your site too, Um, and a few of them that stood out. The first one is the "My Love Is Your Love." I don't Mm. know if you remember that one. Yes, it's right behind you. But what I was seeing was, like, the picture itself is self-explanatory. Yes. Um, But the cloth, like, Mm. what what does that, what does that represent for you? Like, I was looking at it and just, like, and then you caught a baby smiling, and it was just, like, that's cool. Like, that's the hardest thing to do. Let me tell you, the best picture. (laughs) And it was all natural. Wow. Okay. That was meant to happen. Um, So, the image is of me and my niece, um my second niece, Manaya Watson, and she was getting christened that day. Mm. And that was right after we was getting out the church and I was holding her and I threw her up in the air and we laughing and my cousin just coincidentally just snapped the photo. And it's always been my backdrop for years. Mm. Um, Cause she's going on three this year. So however long that is, bam. And the thing about it is how this came along is this is the time, this is now I'm in grad school at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, and I am getting my degree in design for fashion, body, and garment. Mm-hmm. And this is my second year, and I'm preparing for another thesis show. But this is in the beginning, the first semester, and I had to transition back into <coughs> weaving, but I didn't want to actually make the cloth from scratch, right. weave it. So I was just like, what's the quickest way to figure out how to get back into the realm of weaving. Cause at that time I wasn't weaving for a whole year. I was doing other things. Okay. And, um, I was just like, I want to get back into it. I can, I need to make with my hands, but I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Wally world, Walmart, <laughs> y'all know about Walmart. <laughs> so, you know, when you take those images, you can put it on the canvas or a mug or a blanket. I put it on a woven blanket and I was just like, okay, I'm gonna manipulate this and make it my own. So what I decided to do, so the image in the background was like this orange backdrop. And you know, different colors, when you get stuff printed, it just Mm. throws it all off. That orange was disgusting. It was just like, (laughs) it really took away from the image. So I was like, I got something. I'm going to take apart and thread by thread, I'm going to take out the background completely. That's exactly what I did. Yeah, crazy me. I know. So I approached weaving in a different manner. So this is already an existing woven cloth. And I literally, in a sense, quote unquote, deconstructed it. And I took completely the thread. So the colors that make up orange, I took it out, took out those threads. And um, so yellow and red I took out. And what I ended up having to do is once you start taking a part of piece of fabric the fibers in it start to become loose because it doesn't have that structure anymore. So it's not tightly woven. So it has this feel because that it's just flowing. And that's something that I really loved in the image. Um, But then what I had to do is to keep it that way. I had to stitch around. So I did it on a machine. I ain't do it by hand. I ain't that crazy. (laughs) And um, I stitched the border of the image of her and I to keep it intact. And what I decided to do is put beautiful, um, because I always consider my hair and anyone's hair for that matter, their crown. And um, I decided to embellish with gold our hair. Um, So that's what I did. And that was that piece. 
So that was really the piece that transitioned my whole year hiatus from weaving and making with my hands to come back in a different way right. and approach it that way. Mm-hmm. I feel like <clears throat> the idea to do that, and even with your exhibit when you did your show, mm-hmm. how you brought people into the hair salon mm-hmm. and everything like that, like, mm-hmm. where does where that spawn from? Because you are breaking down a lot of barriers for some people when mm-hmm. you do that. Um mm-hmm. Did you feel that way when you put it together or was it just something just like, I need a place and we're going to do it here and this is how it's going to be, you know? Well, to be honest, no, I had a lot of thought. I really, this was my first solo exhibition and this was a part of my thesis show. This was my thesis show actually for my undergrad Mm. at the time and it was called Synthetic Ties and it was in a white-owned hair salon. Mm. And at the time, as far as it being in a white-owned hair salon that was not planned, I just wanted it in a salon, Um, preferably a black-owned hair salon, to be honest with you. However, the time frame that I had when I finished making the work and then my research in vetting the right work, because I had to vet stylists Mm because I did have a performance that I had hairstylists there on set, the opening for three hours they made, they did someone's hair in front of you. So as you're walking through the space, you're seeing this happen. Um, and I was practicing with them. I was vetting that. And then I was in the midst of trying to figure out hair salons. I mean, at the time I was in Kansas city and it was very hard because I didn't want the location to be too far away. Mm -hmm. I wanted the location to be in a prime spot where there's foot action, a lot of foot action. So people would see. Yes. So in those places, the crossroads was a great place Mm -hmm. to make that happen. Cause I felt the most important part was to have people see this work. More so than it being in the black-owned hair mm-hmm. salon. That can happen at a later time. Um, so what I did, and I didn't even realize it. I just loved the theatrical vibe that was happening in the salon. And then it being white-owned was just another layer that just coincidentally just came out and was just a part of the conversation, which was not a bad thing at all. Um, and... It was very interesting because so many different people, different races, was just ripping and running. And that's something that I love, and I love the fact that it was up for a month. So it was still a running, operating hair salon. So people literally just getting their hair done for their own, paying to get their hair done, seeing this work. So that was really where it was like, ding, that was what it was for me, more so than all that other stuff. So... It was a great experience. Does that translate to you? um, My last episode I did, I was working with a photographer, and he was Mm -hmm. saying how he's cool with black people liking his work or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, but Mm -hmm. he's more uh, focused on allowing people of different Mm -hmm. uh, ethnicities or whatever, nationalities, to come in and admire his black work, if that makes sense. I understand that. I feel like for me... I want everyone, anybody to see it mm-hmm. across the board. And it's funny because I feel like white people gravitate to my work than black people, mm-hmm. to be very honest with you. Um, I don't feel like I get much love from my own people when it comes to my work, which is very interesting. Um, but then I reflect on like musicians such as Bob Marley, where his audience for a long time was white. And then when he went to Africa, that's when he realized, oh my God, black people really don't listen to Marley. (laughs) I mean, even though everybody in the world did listen to Bob Marley, but what I'm saying is people in the audience that are paying to see this man perform, it wasn't showing up like that until he came back and then acknowledged and wanted black people in those seats. So with that being said, I feel like as far as me bringing 
in that community this is why I said I would love to show my work in those communities to really get a poll and really figure out what black people are thinking but on the time being right now that's not even where my headspace is my headspace is really just producing and making for my personal sake Mm. and my happiness as Mm. an artist that's real and getting back to why I love to make that's what it really boils down to so whoever loves it great who don't even better we can talk about it and really dive right in and that's where really good conversation comes Mm. out you know what I mean so, I think to me the thing that stood out to me the most by watching, well, looking at the site was that your work kind of reflects a lot about what stuff people are talking about nowadays. When we talk about mm-hmm. cultural appropriation and like when you talk about using the synthetic hair and everything mm-hmm. like that, and even the braiding and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on something now. It's, don't be offended by the name of it. It's called the nigga spectrum, and it okay. goes from like hood nigga to blurred, which is like the black nerds. Yeah, but everybody knows oh. what hood nigga is. So okay, but <laughs> but got we it, have black it. culture is something that people have come and nitpicked that, mm-hmm. and For as long I as think I know. us yeah. as black people haven't realized how much our influence is and mm. how far it reaches. Mm. Well, what I'm specifically working on right now is just a section of music oh, okay. and how a lot of early jazz artists and things like mm. that would start here in the States, even like Chicago, Harlem and everything, but they would go overseas in Europe and do the same damn thing, just like dominate. Mm. We can see that with rap music. You can go to concerts everything. and stuff, right? I was just talking about that with the um, teacher of mine's yesterday, actually. But even yours with hair now mm. is like your work with hair and, and the weaving and the braided stuff is like shit that people are taking and calling it cool now. Like, how does that make you feel when you look at that stuff? Or do you even think about that? Like, you probably don't hear the same conversation. Like, we just had the conversation about the uh, album. Yeah, 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 Like, yeah. you saw one mm, aspect yeah, one of it, like, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. saw another perspective. Yeah. Like, but do you even see that when it comes to your work? Or Not really. I figured you'd say that. Yeah. I'm just an artist, okay? (laughs) Well, this is what I'm saying. You know, I feel like one thing in my education that um, I guess that art school does is to really try to not have you only do one thing Mm. or categorize you as one person that only does this. Mm. You know what I mean? But just to look at the bigger scale and how broad you can make the conversation to let any and anybody relate to your work. Now, my whole take on that is I don't care if I make work about hair 10 years. I feel like people will still have a different take on it. Mm. I mean, I can literally break it down to the bare minimum and only use a specific color, a specific type of hair and whatever the case may be. But I still feel like uh, Asian or a black person or even a white person should they all carry black hair. Mm. So even though it might be straighter or kinky or whatever, it's still black. So as far as color Mm -hmm. goes, um, so everybody still has that entryway to get in because everybody has hair in some shape or form. You know what I mean? Like, I do know some people that can't necessarily grow it on their actual head, but Mm -hmm. it still comes in some shape or form on your body. So that's another thing that I pride myself in my work is that even though physically the body in some ways are not there, it's still there Mm -hmm. and it exists. And I mean, that kind of includes everybody, too. So I didn't even think about that. Like, damn, everybody can kind of relate to it if you think about it. Yes, um, yes, yes. I just... Give me some background on you and, like, where the love for this, like, art 
come from and and just like mm-hmm. you have a lot of things that reflect family yes and i yes. think one of the most important ones or the one that stood out to me the most was sisterhood i, I wrote that mm-hmm. in my notes <laughs> i didn't have the last time did your research <laughs> sisterhood yes oh my god i remember like that whole set like it was yesterday i mean okay so my whole background in a nutshell is essentially I've been raised around women all my life. Mm-hmm. Um, predominantly raised on my mom's side of the family, but I do know who my dad is in their side as well. Um, but being raised in a Caribbean home in the U.S. is very—it's—it's it's a very different upbringing. Mm. <clears throat> And being raised by strictly just women that you see walking my, I do have men in my family, but um, only sisters and um, my mom and my grandmother and my aunts was really the foundation of who and built who I am today in some shape or form. So with that being said, I didn't really have much of a male perspective. Mm. Um, And, you know, basically womanhood and sisterhood was just what it was. Right. Until I ventured out and went to college and then started to really feel and fend for myself and find my own independency within all of that. So um, it really, you know, family means a lot to me um, in a lot of different ways um, because that's just how my mom kind of just brought me up um, and just really made me understand that blood is thicker than water. And despite the ups and downs we go through, this is all we got. Mm -hmm. You know, we is all we have so i'm just like okay got it (laughs) um but you know it it was moments when bonding happened when getting my hair done really struck a nerve for me but more than anything me wanting to make and the making that i'm doing now really derived from me not being home so I left home in 2011 from Miami and moved to Kansas City and never moved back since. Mm-hmm. So this day, now that I'm in Chicago. And, you know, there are moments where I get extremely homesick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just like, okay, I got to get back to them. So for me to get back to them, I have a ton of images <laughs> that I go through, um, you know, whether on social media or in my own personal archive. And... I just start to just figure stuff out. I just right. start to make and really make m- the making process and the conversation process helps produce the final product. It drives it. Mm-hmm. So it's my navigation. It's my map. It's my compass. It, you know, and that was really how all of this whole body of work even came to where it is today and continues is really from moments that I share with my sister when she does my hair, from conversations I have with my grandmother while she's cooking in the kitchen, from slight arguments here and there, or conversations with my mom. And, you know, just hearing, even on the phone, when I'm homesick, I call them up, and I'm just like, boom, something ticks, and I write down a quote. I reflect back on it in my notes, and I just make, you know. And and I think that that's funny that you did mention that not having that male perspective on it and the last time we talked when I saw that I was like man they got like she got like curlers and all this stuff and everything brats like that's when I saw this especially the sisterhood um, mm-hmm. pictures I was like this reminds me of like just chilling with my sister and my mom and then when she was just doing her hair and we'd just be talking like that's funny how those moments become bonding moments and then you take it and you just like I'm going to exhibit this for the world to see to have some kind of 
feeling or relate that to some moment that they had in their own life. And when I exactly. saw that, I thought exactly exactly about like what you said was mm-hmm. how you would be getting your hair done, and then conversations would be going on, mm-hmm. or even if it's just in passing, you just like as a male and you in that household, you see your sister getting her hair done. It's like you're not even supposed to be in the room. Like that's you know what I'm saying. Like <laughs> thank you. That's how it and, almost felt like. And I was just about to go to that. It's like this very intimate in private Mm. moments you know like I remember my aunt owned um, a hair salon at one point so I would get my hair done all the time and sometimes I would just be in there just helping her out you know sweeping the floors whatever the case may be and I mean, it will be, like, sometimes therapy sessions, gossip mm-hmm. sessions. I mean, you hear, I basically knew everybody up in there. And, and that was my first time being up in there the with them. You being in the barbershop. You know. And then the barbershop, <laughs> the dudes get their hair cut up front, and the ladies got the it, salon in the exactly. back. It was the same, same way outside thing. of the house, too. That was yes. so funny to me. <laughs> And that's And that's the beauty of it, you know? And that's why I say what I say, and I feel like, my work is relatable because there's a lot of people in different race that can relate to that in mm-hmm. some shape or form. I mean, this is a sacred um, moment, experience, um, and anybody can take it in whichever way they want. Right. But it still comes back to that core of coming together, mm-hmm. you know. And um, that was really the moments that I not just value, but I can really say that was the most positive moments with my family. (laughs) It wasn't eating at a dinner table because we didn't eat at a dinner table. Dinner table was literally there for decoration. (laughs) Not even on Thanksgiving. Okay. Like we would eat and watch TV or Mm. I would just go in my room and eat. You Mm. know what I'm saying? Like food did not bring the family together. We just knew we had to eat, you know, but getting your hair done was a experience. I mean, take a day off. You getting your hair done. And you almost felt like, it's for me, I almost felt like I was crossing boundaries by just being like, I remember that, being a kid, like, should I be in there while she's doing, or that's your mom, though, you should be, that's your sister, you know, shit like that. And, and you never think about it that mm-hmm. way. And like I said, outside the house, it was the same way, like, being in the barbershop, my sister getting her hair done in the back, and me and my dad, and me up exactly. in the front, like, nigga, what is you doing back exactly. there? Like, you ain't got no business back there. Unless the bathroom was there. Right, that's the only time you go back there. That's you, right. But you never, I never thought to think of that too. It's like some of these moments that you capture with this idea is stuff that, you know, people can really find positivity and people can find comfort in. And even you mentioning looking back and thinking about that, those pictures and stuff like that, and thinking about your family, it made you feel a certain way. Like, how, how has it been being an artist and realizing that you're making people feel something when they do something? It's amazing. That's the point. Of me being an artist. Um, I mean, it is. Now, what kind of feeling? It varies. Um, I don't want to intrude or put on any type of feeling on anybody. um, Because at the end of the day, I'm the artist. I'm the one making the work. So it's automatically going to feel however the hell I want it to feel in some shape or form. Now, Mm. that feeling to you might be offensive. You can take it however you want. um, Because there's only so much an artist's job can do. But at the end of the day, I made you feel some way. And that's the goal. Mm. Um, I made you think about something. I made you think back to something. Or think, oh, this is where I'm trying to go somewhere. So that is really what makes me love what I do. Mm. Um, You know, I've always thought differently than a lot of my family members. Um, And that's the beauty. And I always wanted to speak on that. I wanted in some way for them to really understand 
um, my my thought process through right. what I make. Right. Now, I will say this. My family does not understand what I do <laughs> as, an as an artist. However, they're it extremely supportive. Right. And that's key. And that's what keeps me going, to be honest, is to have that in my corner and to have them support me and to take me being an artist very seriously. My mom never not once told me growing up, don't take art or don't pursue it. When I told her going, like, I wanted to go to an art high school. Mm. Um, and I only did apply to those schools because I had to go through an application process. And then once I went through that experience and I was like, okay, I'm going to art school again on a higher level, on a higher level. She was just like, okay, my baby's an artist. And that's just what it is. Right. Um, even though I could have been a lawyer or a banker. I mean, I was great in my other subjects. You can, you can still do that. If I can <laughs> Life, Life keeps going. Exactly. However, this is my destiny and it's my calling. Um, it really, really is. I don't see any type of other career path mm. coming in my way um, because there's moments where I will take a break because as artists, we need to breathe. We need to step away from the work and really understand and put things into perspective. Um, but at the same time, when you do take that break and when you go back, if you, you take it in a different way and you still feel that energy and that excitement, you're doing something right. right. You know what I mean? So that goes for anything that you do. And art is just one of those things. So it's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a long explanation. But I, I mean, I'm going through some more stuff here. The sacred cloths. I got to get some notes. I'm using, I'm, I'm hanging on to these notes because I didn't have them. I said that already, and I'm making it a point to let her know that your boy is for real now. <laughs> like, yes. Um, I have some notes here. It's like it, it was made as an interpretation of digital imagery to me. Mm-hmm. And um, does the pedestal in it represent like I don't know? I, I thought it was love. You know, mm. the position of the people within the photos and like where the mm. idea come from that. So, Sacred Cloths um, was my thesis work for my grad, um, from the grad program um, here in Chicago. And essentially, when I was in the process of making that body of work, I thought of it in a lot of different ways. And how I approached it was I went to the island, St. Martin specifically, where my dad's side of the family is, and I stayed with my grandmother. So, this is my dad's mom. And my grandmother's name is Violet. Um, and I love, 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 love this woman. She is like a sister in another world to me. Another time, if I was to ever be born again, we would definitely be sisters. <laughs> and during that time, I mean, I took a ton of photos cause I have not been on the Island in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, what I decided to do was to reflect again, um, like I always do in my personal archive and I sift through all these images and, um, what I ended up doing was putting it into Photoshop. And at the time I was using machine looms. So I was able to have it digitally printed, which was really cool. And what I wanted to do was to have the image there, but not as plain as day. So I decided to put patterning and I literally designed the whole thing um, in Photoshop. So the image is in existence, so, but you still don't see it right, right off the bat. And I mean, I took pictures and moments um, that they're in their 
own space. It mm-hmm. was domestic spaces. I caught them. We were in the midst of talking about something. So one image is like my grandmother cooking some type of soup. And she's in the kitchen. And mind you, she don't even know I did this. <laughs> um, and that's another thing. My work is very honest. So when I say that is... I let it speak for itself and I don't try to, I don't stage anything. Mm. Now I ask for forgiveness later because I know some things you probably should ask, but I'm very much about the honesty and the authenticity of the work. Mm. And I felt the need that at the end of the day, my grandmother supports what I do as long as I'm not shaming her or anything like that, which I would not do. Um, it would be okay. That's another reason why I stylized it and did the patterning. So mm. you don't immediately see the image, but also to really, um, value the sacredness that took place in that moment. It was just between her and I, mm. nobody else, but I didn't want to share with the world. So yeah, um, fast forwarding, I d- produced the cloth, several of them and the pedestals came into play because I did not want to have them on a wall. I did not. I did not. I wanted them in space. But what tends to happen is when I finish weave any type of cloth, like anybody, a weaver does, you Mm. fold it. Right? (laughs) So, and you put it in a bag or you put it in something. And that's what tends to happen. I have a bin. I have a ton of weavings in. And um, I was like, hmm, the way I go about folding these cloths, man, is like it's precious. It's like gold. And I was like, hmm. So then I thought, okay, pedestal. And the reason why I did a pedestal, normally pedestals are much higher and at Mm. eye level when you go into a gallery, right? These pedestals are very low. You cannot, you know what I mean? Like, you got to be down. You got to be in some sort of position to see it. So you're either kneeling, you're squatting, or you're literally sitting down and to really see the piece. And that was a position that I wanted the viewer to be in. So you're almost making them a part of the art too. There we go. <laughs> so mind blown. <laughs> and then the gold leaf was really to add value. Like you cannot really touch this piece. Mm. You know what I mean? When you see something in gold, you like, ooh, you want to touch it, but you know you just can't touch it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that was the icing on the cake. It couldn't just be a wooden box. Right. It wouldn't have any value. It would just look like what are you really commenting on? Um, so everything just came into place. And really those sacred cloths is followed up with the video piece, a performance piece. And really what happened is Stevie Stevens, the performer that I had um, at the time, she's performing in three of these cloths in the video that are on display on these pedestals. Um, and, you know, that was to activate it. That Her performing was activated bringing life to okay. this piece and um that's what i wanted and Just that's see the smile on her face and right that's <laughs> and that's where the work started to start the work did not start even though physically and literally the work did start with the cloth right. it always starts that way like i said But then the conversation was passed down to her because I worked with her for months. She knew me. I knew her body language, the whole nine. Um, And when I passed my conversation to her, she created her own conversation on top of my conversation. That's just how it works. So then from that point, she's performing and I'm thinking, oh, I want 20 people to start performing. I want that. So now the mind just goes and it goes and then the work 
it just speaks for itself and that's where it guided me so that's what sacred cloth is all about and we're looking at all these different pieces and everything what are some of your influences like some people it's music some people it sounds like for me for you what i'm taking in from you mm -hmm. is that it's a lot about family it's it a lot about um love and mm -hmm. moments and things like that mm -hmm. but what other influences outside of that like what are you listening to right now like what are you reading like what so or people well influences like i said like you said family initially friends close mm. friends people that i communicate and bond with and that can be just anybody so people in general <laughs> if i can hold a conversation for more than two minutes with you you influence me oh that works you influence me and that's just what it is because my work always starts with a conversation so that's key um as far as music goes i listen to a lot of when i'm making my work mm -hmm. um i listen to a lot of contemporary african music and the reason why i put contemporary in there is because it ain't no drums going or nothing like that right. it's really artists such as like davido um i listen to um Oh my god, why am I blanking on this banky W? I'm no, listening that's to that's what Julie got that stuff from. Yeah, she got it from me. <laughs> West Africa. Um, Mr. Easy. Um, you know, I listen to them because the foundation of what not only do they speak positivity and it has a very good upbeat, you know what I mean, for the most part, they just wants me to physically want to make. Mm -hmm. Um, but it also has roots in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Because um, I also listen to my island music, my soca, some reggae, um, those type of traditions just is in me. So those are the really what I listen to when I'm making. And, you know, certain points throughout, I listen to my Solange new album, you know, Don't Touch My Hair. That comes through. Um, and Beyonce always. Um, but those are really what it is. I'm right now I'm listening to Luther, but I'm going back old school. That's real. Slow jams, Luther. Um, as far as books, I'm tapping back into reading books again. I haven't really read a like a legit book. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, right here on this podcast. I'm not gonna lie. I can read now. Don't get me wrong. I can read. I have two degrees. I didn't just make art. I was in art history classes and make writing papers the whole night. one of the best art schools in the country Tell, for that. Telling so. you, thank you, that cost thousands and <laughs> thousands. Um, so, so, yeah, as far as the book reading go, not really, um, but traveling is a huge influence mm. on my work. Um, going back to the islands or trying to go back to Africa. Um, just traveling anywhere. You know what I mean? Even in the U.S., just moving from one place to the next automatically influences me in some shape or form so yeah what about i don't want to get too political i have to say that before because some people don't want to talk about that shit yeah because it's just like if you don't want to hear about it just turn the shit off Thank that's, you. that's, that's what i say but I mean, okay i just, feel it i feel it we're all trying to create art and different things in the social climate that we're living in today you know um how's that been affecting your art to be honest, I tune out news. I don't blame you. I, the I news really, is actually like the saddest show on television. <laughs> it, no, it really is. And to, I haven't really watched the news a lot lately until 
social media because even if i don't watch news it pops up on facebook or mm. the gram you know what i mean because that's how social media platform is another right. way of conveying those things right so either way i i see it you know and i'm always reading npr articles uh-huh. every morning at work um so i see it and it just it just sickens me but it keeps me grounded and it keeps me aware um and i still continue to be open-minded despite the negativity um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like naturally I don't start making sad work because of it. I don't even make necessarily happy work either. Um, but I make work that speaks to me and can relate to others. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I try to navigate really at the end of the yeah, day. I would be able so, to classify it either. I, when yeah. I looked at it, I was just like, what are you feeling right now when you're watching this? Like, when you're looking at this, like, I, yeah. I hate this, like, sound smarty-arty, but it was no, just yeah. like, what what emotions or what memories and things like that, like, I don't think you can classify that. I think it mm-hmm. is something that transcends a lot of different things. Yeah, um, it's a combination and, of a lot of different and things. Definitely. that's what I think made it so, like, appealing to me when I saw it. I was just like, damn, like, man, this you is crazy. you a lot of different emotions. <laughs> One day you like, hmm, and on another day you just like, I feel different today about it. I, I would feel like that's what that's being good. human is. There I would hope. That's good. Yeah, I would hope. <laughs> I would hope if you're human. Yes, yes, I agree. Um, but I'm going to try to wrap up here a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's actually a shorter episode. You actually know what the hell you're doing. Like, I feel like you've done this before, and I usually have to like come up with different stuff. But you just touch it every time. Like, ah, I was going to ask that question. <laughs> I was going to ask that. <laughs> yeah, I can't ask that. But, um... I just know my work. <laughs> As no you shade, should. but As I know my work. I mean, but like, that's it's, just it's, what it is. It's, when we talk about art, it's like last night I did a set and I was just talking about different shit that mm. I hadn't even written down. Mm. But like my mom and it was in the audience and I was saying how she, I would tell her when we got out of school, like I wanted to own a junkyard. Like, mm. and it just, I just thought that was just so weird. Mm. And I was just like, putting it into a bit, it seems like I had been building, like, material throughout life and not even knowing that. You know there what I'm you saying? Go. Like, some comics say, like, I've been doing comedy for so long, mm-hmm. but been putting it as Facebook statuses or some shit like that. You know, is, is that what this type of art is coming for you, or is this just something that you just got into with the weaving, or you just... I'm going to try this class. I think you did tell me that. It was yeah, a class. Yeah, it, it really stemmed from, okay, so a part of my degree, I had to take a weaving course. Whether you like it or you don't, mm. to really be certified as a person of a textile designer, you had to learn how to weave. Um, and when I started it, I just fell in love. It was a process that was extremely tedious, and I'm mm. a tedious individual. So you enjoyed <laughs> Very it, meticulous, though. and I enjoyed the hell out of it. <laughs> Weaving is a very long process. It's not for everybody. It really isn't, but it was for me. Mm-hmm. And it was my niche. And I was like, okay, if you can weave anything, I'm going to weave with hair. Yeah. My first project. And I was like, okay, bitch, I'll see works. you. <laughs> and I just ran with it. And I really wanted to see how far I can go. What was art like before that, though? Like, what was, what was your before- idea? Art before that was painting, drawing, sculpting. It was a culmination of various things. Um, I did a lot of drawing, if anything, out of all of those. Um, And then when I... Of? (laughs) Of. I'm sorry. 
I did a yeah, lot I'm of getting draw. Up, yeah, I'm getting, let's get this interview going. It's finally starting now. Let's go. I'm so done. <laughs> <laughs> the drawings were um, self portraits mm. um, in charcoal and like a wa- like a watercolor background. So there were self portraits of me in the home in various different positions, and my facial expression was what it was really about. Very mm. serious. Yeah, because everybody's just like that whole stigma, like, why you got to look like that? Why you look like you mad? And that's just my face. <laughs> and they call it bitch face, some people. You know what I mean? Resting bitch face. Exactly, <laughs> exactly the resting say. bitch face. So I wanted to play on that. So I had a series of those, and my grandmother actually has those pieces. Um, They're pretty big pieces. Um, And then I also did like a piece at the time. I was very big into puff paint. What is that? So puff paint is sort of like um, it comes in a tube and you can put it on fabric okay. or paper and it just basically you squeeze it out. So mm. what I did is these dot pieces um, and I would basically dot out like portraits of me or my sister or Beyonce because like I'm a diehard Beyonce fan. So this is high school. Here we go. So a lot of Beyonce popped up quite a few times in my work. Okay. (laughs) Inspiration B. Beychella. She's taking over the podcast now. (laughs) Gonna see you in August, Chicago. We're gonna see you in August, girl. Soldier Field, Soldier Field. Okay, back to the buffet. Uh, So You love her, we get it. Haters gonna hate. I'm not hating. I'm not hating. I'm trying to conduct Um, an interview right now. That's what I'm doing. So back to the interview. Um so yeah. Making the drawings I did a lot of. I did a lot of pen drawings. I did mm. some still lives. I did like landscapes. I mean, I did the traditional foundation. I did foundation work. And then from there, you know, I just kind of just ran with the material. It was a lot of 2D work, mm. you know, I was making at the time. So, yeah. And then I was like, I like to do textiles. I don't want to do this. Okay. I don't want to work so with paper no more. it was always no a part of, like, the regimen. Like, it was always there. That, yeah. And when I would have the opportunity to, like, do a creative project, mm. it would come into place. So, you know what I mean? But I would never make it because I didn't know how to make my own fabric. Wow. Um, I would piece together and collage my own fabric and be like, I made it. <laughs> you know? But at the time, I was like, damn, I'm looking through magazines and I'm looking at West African textiles. I'm looking at, you know, I don't know, Indian textiles. I'm looking at various cultures and the way they make their cloth. And I'm like, dang, I would love to learn how to do that. Were there a lot of, like, similarities between them? I mean... Um, as far as the process of making them, I don't know so much. I don't think so. But as far as like colors that attracted me to them, definitely. Mm. Um, and the motifs on there or the design, very different. Um, and they're different messages. And that's another thing that I loved about fabrics is it's a part, it's about storytelling. Okay. Every cloth has a story. And I, I think I did Every write that cloth has like, a story. What are the patterns and stuff like that mean? Exactly. So when I went to um, Ghana, West Africa in 2014, mm-hmm. um, yes, 2014, I was there for three months and I was learning how to weave alongside um, Master Weaver Sebastian Dai, and very traditionalist. I mean, this man wove since he was eight years old till now and he's like in his 40s. So he breathes, sleeps, weaving. And um, he literally taught me from, like, he puts it A to Z. Mm. And I'm literally on C, 
I'm on like C level. <laughs> I ain't even in the middle That's, of the dang on alphabet yet. That kind of led to my next question. But keep so <laughs> she's doing it again. <laughs> and, and what happened is, you know, as I'm making, I had to stick to the pattern for periods of time. Right. Like he will put on probably like two, three yards, and I had to literally weave two or three yards of this fabric. Now, when I personally make my own clothes, I start off with a pattern, but I do my own thing after a while because I get tired of the looking and repeating but that's called discipline okay mm. it's called discipline and to really understand and respect the craft you have to discipline yourself right. so if you and also it was also for monetary value somebody asked you to make them an outfit you need to continue <laughs> to make that shit you can't be di- do you know do your own thing so i understood where he was coming from so that was a big issue for me um, as a creative person to stick to something for a duration of time. Um, but I mean, storytelling was big. I mean, one of the cloths, which is considered plain weave in English, but in a way is more Gigi. And that literally means walking along a path. Hmm. And literally when you look at it, it's a plain weave, two different colors that is like a long, it's just going. And you can imagine somebody walking that thing. Right. It's a long path. So I'm like, oh, I get, duh, of course it's called that. And, and that's another thing. Everything is exactly what it looks like. Right. The name comes from something. It means something. And it's there in that cloth. So I'm just like, I get it. They don't make up stuff like us artists in the U.S. So we super creative <laughs> and we just going to call this because I was listening to this music. So I'm going to name it after that person mm-hmm. or no, they like what they got to do with this. I don't see it. That ain't it. Right. Um, it's very v- much about what you see and what you do. And that's what they call it. So, yeah. So as far as this growth and all these different changes that can occur when you're an artist, mm-hmm. where do you see your work going? In the future? The number one question, and my answer is always, I don't know. It's good. If that's and, all you get, that's cool too. <laughs> you know, and this, and that's, and that's okay. Right. I don't know. Shit. I, I, <laughs> I know for a fact more and more people are going to see my work, mm-hmm. which is always the goal. I know for a fact I will be growing as an artist, which is always the challenge. And the goal. As far as specifically where I'm gonna be at, hopefully I'll be on my own island. <laughs> Sipping my margarita or pina colada, not version, and just making, you know, setting up spaces and areas for others to make mm. um, and make money off of that, to put money back into it, you mm. know, and to support others and myself. Um, sustain a living that's that's the main goal is to solely make money off of my art make right. a living off of it where mm-hmm. i can fund the practice but fund me as well you know as my living so that's really what i see it doing but as far as what the work is going to look like i don't mm-hmm. know well uh this is like the last two questions so mm-hmm. i usually ask ask everyone to give three words of advice to any creative I hope I didn't spit on you. It was pretty impressive because we are pretty far apart right now. But anyway, uh, (laughs) three words of advice to a young creative just starting out who may just be 
picking up a pen and a pad right now and start drawing or writing How or anything poetic. like that. It's not poetic. <laughs> it's realistic. I think it's like, right, I'm going to do this. Okay, right? So, <laughs> say that person is listening to this podcast right yes. now. And what would Shaniqua Brooks three tell them number one that's hard okay number one it's okay if you don't know what you want to do it's so and this is a part of number one it's okay if you don't know what you want to do or make just start making Mm. number two keep working at it keep working at it and Despite what people say, please keep working at it because at the end of the day, you know what you want and you know what you're feeling in that moment. And the only way to truly put that into perspective is you got to put work at it. And I don't mean working for a week and taking six months (laughs) or to a year break. Like, let's be real. I mean, working at it for like a good solid year straight, if you can, with discipline and holding yourself accountable to that mm-hmm. discipline to actually see what can come out of that. Because you want to see results. Right. And in order to see results, work has to be put into that. And lastly, surround yourself with people, like-minded and positive, creative people such as yourself. And the reason why I stress that is because it's okay to have people that's not artists in your life. But if they're not adding no value to your life in ways that you want to move and exceed in your life, don't associate yourself with them or don't put a lot of time in investing with them. Mm. Because the only way you will grow is having people around you feed that. And I mean, people that can connect you with somebody else. I mean, somebody that can literally tell you the honest truth about what you want to do and not shame you because hmm. there's a difference I, you can be honest and still shame somebody i mean really uplift you but be like no because this is where i'm coming from right. you know what i mean so you gotta hang around like-minded people that sees your vision respects it and wants to actually help you accomplish it hmm. that's the only way another question where do you see yourself on the Kanye confidence level. So, it ranges from college dropout to life of Pablo. Oh. Where you at? My gosh. <laughs> I'm always going to be on college dropout. Always? Kanye. This is a reflection of you, not Mr. West. So, we're using the album, the albums gotcha. to compare where your confidence is with your art oh. and everything that you're doing. Okay, now, I so do I understand that. I, d- <laughs> I do understand that. Did I not did. understand the question clearly. <laughs> did not understand the I question clearly. I don't have. Mm. Okay, for me to answer that, so I'm gonna be real honest. I stopped. For me to answer my position within all just of that. Just answer what you know, if that's what works. There we go, because I only know. Because <laughs> I stopped messing with Kanye a long time ago. Uh, so, it's probably still. <laughs> okay. I mean, college dropout to the first is usually the best. It was great. Phenomenal. And that is a piece of art that, if you would say that's your confidence, I feel like he was pretty confident at that time. <laughs> he was extremely. He knew. <laughs> He, man, that man will bulldoze anybody in the positive way. 
Um, not trying to shame Kanye. Kanye is great in his own right. I don't know him personally to judge, mm-hmm. to be honest, in all honesty right now. Um, I don't know the man to judge him. Shit. Um, but at the same time, musically, and my journey in correspondence with his journey, I stopped listening years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, even a little bit before his mom passed away. Because mm-hmm. that's when a huge shift occurred with him personally and his music. And that's when I was just like, I can't feel that right now. I can't relate. So I'm just going to take a chill pill on you and I'm going to let you figure you out. Mm -hmm. And a lot of respect for him. Um, So, yeah. And last but not least, I'm a stand. So uh, I usually ask people to invite Mr. Kanye West on the show at the end of each episode. I stole this from Arian Foster. His podcast and put that out there. We're excited. So... Um, would you please request that Mr. Kanye West come on the It's Your World podcast and let me interview him? <laughs> you serious? I'm serious. This, that's, that's how deep my love is for Mr. West, man. You want me to publicly oh, You don't have to. That Kanye come on. No, me. ask him. Just request. So just be like, Mr. Kanye West. Can you come on? Would you please come on the It's Your World podcast? <laughs> I cannot believe this right now. I never in my life. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. I don't know. It's conversation. It is conversation, and it's not natural right now. You know, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. I know. I'm not. Okay. Good. Well, <laughs> thank you for your time. I appreciate that. <laughs> I told you it wasn't going to make me know that mind, but I'm glad somebody said thank nah. you. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much for having Thank you for me your time, this. and thank you yes, for sitting down you. again. Uh, I feel so bad about that. But no, don't not feel bad about it. It's I all good. It. One love. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for checking out this week's episode of It's Your World Podcast. Um, really appreciate the support. Make sure you subscribe and review. And if you're listening on SoundCloud or you got some questions or whatever, reach out to me, people. Um, say something. Say you like the show. Say you don't like the show. If you, if, you, if you don't like the show, tell a friend. If you like the show, tell another friend. Tell people about the show. Check us out, man. If you think somebody, if you think you know someone that you would like to hear on the show you think will be a good person for me to interview, just let me know, man. Uh, I really feel like um, these next couple of weeks are going to be pretty interesting. And I'm really excited and happy to um, have the opportunity to sit down with these people coming up. Actually, everybody, to be honest, I appreciate everybody because this wouldn't be possible without you guys and without you guys doing your work and actually trusting me with your story and everything. But yeah, check out our website, Shaniqua Brooks, um, S-H-E-N-E-Q-U-A-A-B-R-O-O-K-S.com. 
check it out, man. And, like, I just want to see if people are feeling the same way about the art that I was. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. But also, you can follow her on uh, Instagram at Nequa underscore four. That's N-E-Q-U-A underscore four on IG. And you'll be able to see her on her travels, her married, married travels. She's doing some pretty big things and just out meeting and, and learning. And, it, yeah, man, y'all got to check it out. I, um... I really, uh, really think you guys will enjoy her and her work. Um, other than that, make sure you also remember to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. It's Your World Podcast. That's all it is. You can go to Google. It'll come up. It'll come up. IG. You can check us out on IG at It's I-T-S-U-R World Pod. Underscore. That's it. Um, but yeah. Subscribe and review. Comment on the stuff. If you're listening on SoundCloud, please share it. If you like it, let somebody know. If you don't like it, let somebody else know too. I mean, I don't know. Just tell people about the show. That's all. All right, guys. I appreciate the love. That's all I got. And remember, it's your world. I'm out.